I gave myself a budget of £100 in London to like get the microphone headphones. So they're very low quality at that stage. But it's just getting kick-started into it. You don't need everything polished in the beginning. You just need to start out, see how it goes, and then redirect from there. All right, g'day and welcome to Behind the Podcast with Jules and Stocks. I'm Jules and today Stocks and I went behind the podcast with Jack Creswell, the creator and host of the Farm Advice Podcast. So Stocks, what did you think of this one? Man, really interesting. I mean, this is the glory of podcasting, right? This is serving a remote community, no limit to, I guess, geography. He's serving a remote community and he's doing it. He started the podcast in London, but talking to an Australian audience. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, he's a younger generation farmer. Um, They're looking at ways to transfer knowledge basically and keep that flowing down the generations and, the, and a lot of them seem to be using technology for that and different types of media and, and podcasting happens to be one that he's chosen and you just think about podcasting in your own life when you listen to them and you might be vacuuming the house you might be doing this or that you've just got a bit of spare time and i think you know something that farmers sometimes have a lot of is spare time they're very busy that's not to say they're not busy but they might be doing something that requires automated sort of things that they're working on and they can listen to something as they go perfect for a secondary sense right absolutely absolutely and you know what like super resourceful as farmers often are just roll up the sleeves and get stuck in so that's absolutely what he's done um, and he's found his little niche audience and you know as much as the as an audience of 300,000 can be deemed niche he's he's got it yeah absolutely I mean I love the fact that he's even recorded a podcast while driving a tractor yeah, and, and, that is matter as fuck. And I reckon he <laughs> uploaded it as well. Because when we're talking to him, he, he goes, yeah, I didn't have the intros and the outros ready, so I couldn't do it from my phone. Like, what? Wait, I, you didn't just record on your phone, you uploaded from your phone? So look, it's a great listen, really good, outside the box. You know, just showing you what some people are doing out there with podcasts. Yeah, that's it. Why don't we get stuck in? Jack, tell us about the Farm Advice Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Farm's Advice is purely what it, what it says is actually Farms Advice trying to get people to shift on some quality information, whether it's about the one percenters in your day as a farmer or anyone working within agriculture. It's pretty important to be able to pass that information on. Otherwise, it's just stuck with inside the two ears of the bloke that's farming that piece of land. And at the moment, as we shift from the older generation into a generation of my age that's looking to take over the family farms or get even get into corporations, you're going to lose a huge chunk of that knowledge. And if we're able to harness a bit of what's going on in the minds of those that already know what's going and working, otherwise we're going to lose hundreds of years of knowledge of what how that piece of land or how that business reacts to different variables outside of the industry or within it as well. So environmental, economic, financial, if we can retain that a bit and also we're getting a, re- a lot of really good content out of the industry leaders. Awesome. And you, you touched on the fact that you are from a, a farming background and you're working with, on your family's farm at the moment. Do you want to give us a bit about your history and then you know getting into studying of agribusiness and everything beyond? Yeah, definitely. So it all started out in Western Districts of New South Wales, Wilkenia. We went to, we were school of the air, so we did it over radio before the internet came. So we just missed getting the computers. So we were out there, Wilkenia, we had a Grew up on a sheep farm, sheep station, quite big to where we were now. So it was 70, nearly 70,000 acres. So family actually ran that and we had sheep. But I, as a young bloke, 
I never actually knew why we had sheep. I thought mum and dad must have just liked sheep. <laughs> uh, so now it's really good to get an understanding of what's going on within business and actually sheep are a lifestyle but also a business and we need to be profitable in that. And then that's driven me. We moved to Dubbo, Central West New South Wales and that's allowed myself to create different networks whether or not if I stayed at Wilkenia I would have gone to uni or I'd just stay out there and work on the stations following around where the work was or just trying to bring the family farm up. We did sell that family farm station in 2011. We were nearly close to 100 years in the family, that farm. So it was sad to see that we didn't get to see that all the way through. But definitely as a farming family, we're we're over 100 years now, I believe. So I'm fifth generation. We got it through when they divvied out the land blocks after the World War One. That's how my great-granddad first received his block. Wow. Could we just talk about the schooling for a couple of minutes? I think that type of schooling would be foreign to a lot of people. And also, um, that's really interesting to see if that relates to, I guess, podcasting in any way as well. Yeah, I suppose it does. You do click a button. It's a bit different and the tech wasn't quite there in the radio, but it's essentially what the UHF was for schools. So my teacher would have, have designated times like you do interviewing a podcast yourselves you would know that um so my teacher would ring in and we would have to say where you were from so you'd say your property name and your name and over it's like so is jack creswell from Analara station over and this is me being five six years old tuning into my teachers and then my classmates are far and wide there's probably a thousand k perimeter around everyone that encaptured within broken hills School of the Air. Right, and how many students do you reckon there were? Yeah, right. <laughs> Did you ever meet these kids, like, face-to-face? Do they sort of organise any kind of social things like that? Yeah, I think it was once a month we met up. We'd have to get up at four in the morning um, and head to Broken Hill, so it was about three hours, three and a half hours to drive to school. I think that was once a month on a Friday just so that, we, yeah, we did have that face-to-face um, like hands-on sort of workshops with the other kids and you actually get to know who your mates are and it's not just a voice over the radio. Much like podcasts, it's good to meet in person but also like without that communication, the radio back then, we would be pretty behind of what we were within our school learnings, I suppose. And then your agriculture, sort of the agribusiness that you studied at university plays quite a big part in the in the podcast. I, I think that's mentioned quite a bit and you went to UNE. Is this kind of one of the premier universities to go to for agribusiness? Yeah, I believe for like even Australia-wide because they rely on being online university. You can study online wherever, um, over overseas as well. Um, but yeah, it is one of the premier ones for agribusiness depending on what sort of courses you do. Um, agribusiness, rural science is huge up there. And they just have a really good network as well. Yeah. I think that's a good thing that I can pull on. Well, like a lot of my speakers have come on to the Farms Vice podcast. I didn't even know he went to UNE. They're a UNE alumni. Um, so it's pretty important, like the networking out through universities or wherever you went to. There's um, one in Western Australia that's quite good, and Marcus Holdham down south in Melbourne is really good as well. So you talked a bit about passing on that knowledge and everything from farmers down generations. And I think, you know, that's, that's obviously the way that a lot of us would imagine that goes until this kind of 
you know, technology has unlocked a lot of what you can do and, you know, listening to podcasts even while you're farming and things like that. I mean, has that sort of technology just really opened up that knowledge sharing for you? And, and were you finding that that was happening before you started your podcast? Or did you think, hey, we can take this a little bit further and really kind of put this forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think like prior to the podcast, I was blogging a bit just to, like around the main concerns of what's going on in farming. I'm no expert expert in the field, literally, um, out in the paddock. So for me to have that backing, I couldn't really get that from blogging. No one was going to go to Joe Blow down the road. That was 22 straight out of uni and read the blog. Um, and that sort of eventuated. It built some wheels and got going a bit. And then podcasting platform, I probably got onto it later than I would have liked. But at the moment, I think like the gap's there for... The agricultural industry is quite primed to be listening to podcasts. We do have, it's not downtime, but it's just time that we are available yeah. to listen. We don't need to listen all the time because we need to listen for breakdowns, like in a tractor or something like that. But to and fro in between driving to the next paddock or something, you can listen to it passively through the radio, through your car radio, or just in your headphones. Headphones are really cool nowadays. Your wireless ones, I don't go anywhere without them now. Yeah, well, you've got a massively underserved audience there. I mean, there's, what, 320,000-plus farmers? Yeah, that's the target audience I'm trying to reach. Um, so within that, I think there's around 32% of those that own managers. Um, so it's also the employees that are working on farm that don't directly own the farm, but, like, how they can better themselves, their daily, daily routines... Or they can give the boss a top secret of what's like the latest ag tech that can help their bottom end out. Yeah, look, it's a great untapped audience, really. I think you found a nice, yeah. nice niche there, mate. What tipped you over the edge to actually start the podcast? So moved over to the UK in 2017, all ready to like go into agribusiness marketing over there to get some worldwide experience. Um, and it wasn't really what it was meant to be. I didn't have a network over there, so I didn't know anyone in agriculture, so I just went into general marketing. Um, and to always keep a foot in Australia, in agriculture, I was trying to keep that blog going. And then lockdown in London came down quite heavy, actually. Lost the job um, in London in the thick of COVID-19 mm. back in April 2020. So that was the initial spur to uh, stuff it. I will, I will start a podcast. I told my mum, don't let me start a podcast, please, um, just because <laughs> I wanted some free time. But I think it's the best thing I've done. Being able to, that just it's another prove, proven point as well. Along with School of the Air, I was in London making a podcast for farmers in Australia for a good part of seven months. Right, um, and and no one knew other than the speakers if I told them. Yeah, right. So you were getting up middle of the night sometimes to hop on and... Yeah, so if the speakers saw me, I was a bit droopy. I was like, it's probably five o'clock in the morning here, mate. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But it got the job done in the end and I just needed to get those initial episodes out, which is really good. So you talked a little bit about kind of technology coming through into the farming and, and obviously, you know, if you're doing things like education when you're young over over the radio and everything... Speaking to people in farming, was it a bit of a, a leap forward getting him onto Zoom or did that just kind of come at the perfect time when everyone was having to do it anyway, given that everyone was locked down? You suddenly had this portal to speak to farmers across the other side of the world. I'd say probably like 5% were a bit unknown to like how we would be connecting. Some would say, okay, when are we meeting up? But 
I'm eight hours away, sorry, mate, or even 15,000 miles away at the moment. I can't meet up just down the line. So I think COVID really spurred that along the approach to how people do have with technology. Farmers are a bit, chuck it off to the side. I don't really need that. I need to go fix this fence instead. Um, But it can really open up your doors and get you talking to people within a quicker time frame than driving eight hours down the road. And how's the how's the show kind of evolved? Do you think since you started it last year, have you do you think you've kind of improved quite a bit? And, and what do you do to kind of measure yourself and, and learn? For the Farms of Us itself, it was a huge self development thing. As like I came from rural Wakanya, I always thought that like I wasn't the best communicator, so I needed to improve on that um, verbally more so. So over audio writing, I'm pretty good at blogging. Um, I feel so. That's just an eventuating into podcasting, um, trying to improve what I'm doing. But definitely, I think I have come a long way. I gave myself a budget of £100 in London to like get the microphone headphones. So they're very low quality at that stage. But it's just getting kick-started into it. You don't need everything polished in the beginning. You just need to start out, see how it goes, and then redirect from there. So I think my conversation as well for talking to people has really improved. If you listen to episode one and then episode 52 the other day, you wouldn't think they were the same podcast. I thought you had to chop, edit, chop, edit, chop, edit, and now it's sort of free-flowing. Conversational. Yeah, it's a bit more funner now than what I was. I was pretty nervous. I don't know why, but like talking to your computer with another face on the other side was pretty daunting. Yeah, even when you're speaking to them face-to-face, I think, you know, Stocks and I haven't been doing that this for too long either, so I think there was a lot of editing when we first started doing yeah. it. Yeah, and also, yeah, getting the confidence and just being comfortable pushing something out into the universe yeah. and that it's going to be out there forever. Yeah. You've got a really diverse... Uh, you have really diverse conversations and subject matter. There do seem to be a few themes that are pop up a bit more than others, things like um, technology, secession, carbon credits, sort of those sort of things, environmental yep. concerns. Uh, how do you pick subjects that you're going to go down to or is it guided by your interest as well or how, how are you sort of picking subjects each week? It sort of is my interest because my interest is every other 28-year-old's interest out there in agriculture, whether you're male, female, 65 or 28. It doesn't really discriminate what like agriculture's um, heading towards. So if you're looking towards carbon farming and how that can impact an Aussie farmer, whether you have 10 acres or a million acres, it will impact what you're doing. But considering I'm a one-man band here, partner does help me out every now and then. But like I am trying to get into more themed months or time periods for the podcast. It's just eventuating seeing where it will go and how I can do that. But it's all also to do with how diverse Australian agriculture actually is. Like if you look at all the sectors, there's a lot of sectors there that play a primary role within, like even what you put in your grocery list each week. So they're talking points of what's going on within agriculture as well. So like splitting it between farmers and also like ag tech, the companies, the CEOs at the head of those companies affecting farmers. Um, I'm just trying to get the latest information as best as I can from the leaders in the industry so they can give a key takeaway to what's going on. Farmers can take them home, implement them, if not, use them for motivation to build their own agribusiness a bit better. Right. You started introducing a shorter format as well this year. What was the impetus for that? 
Yeah, so I wasn't sure what sort of format hit. Another self-development sort of leg for that was just to get myself speaking on my own, a uh, bit of a weekly, monthly update, whatever it may be. I think it's really important to have a long-form and short-form format. Um, it may not be like applicable to every industry, but I think agriculture, people want some high-variable content in an hour or they just want to flick something on for five minutes before they go out next for their coffee break or whatnot. It's pretty important to hit those two different marks. If not, those others are going to be put off by, shit, I've got an hour in front of me to listen to this, so I'm not going to do that. Or it's only five minutes, it's not going to be that valuable. But if you can mix it up a bit, I sort of let my episodes run how they run. Depends, like, on the other end. If the speaker's keen to keep going and they keep rambling on and providing value, value for the episode, it can go on for a couple of hours. It hasn't yet, luckily. <laughs> Touch wood. And how did you go the first time you did one of those short episodes and it's just you into the mic, no guest? Because yeah. I really struggle with that. Oh, you! if you listen to it, you'll see how much I struggled. I've actually, that was all, the first one was all on paper. So like I was sort of reading a script, which is it's not what I want, but like as long as I see, as long as the content's out there and people can use it to whatever they think will fit in their own enterprise or if it gives them a weekly update that's fine that's perfect it's hit the mark but later on i will eventuate into doing a bit more and another step now if like this is a weekly podcast so if i don't have or i'm farming and i'm too busy i actually filmed or recorded my own podcast in the tractor running along yeah you did one the back of the tractor right the other day yeah i heard that yeah that was it didn't have the intros and outros as well as i can do on the computer but that was a bit of what's what but just adds to the authenticity yeah that's it agriculture is raw as it is so the podcast is going to be staying raw as well but i think once you get that consistency you do get a bit of a customer base or listener base i don't want to miss it out for the listeners but also if you don't miss out the growth's just gonna compound more so afterwards so tell us a bit about the interviewing and, and you've interviewed a ton of people. How do you go about you know, getting these people that you want to speak to and, and the kind of variety and the diversity within the agribusiness and, and you know, farming? Uh, do you have a kind of hit list of people that you want to hit up or is it, you know, how have you got about recruiting? Yeah, so I've done a bit of a hit list. It's built out. I had to stop because I was just, it was just endless. But one trick I put into my episodes is at the end of the episodes, I ask... So who else would you like to hear on the Farms Vice podcast and why? And it's just yeah. self-fulfilling pipeline. It's, it's like a salesman <laughs> for the podcast. So that's worked well for you? Yeah, tremendously. I've only got onto a couple of those so far, but that's the pipeline built up. And that's connecting the community as well. It's not just darting around. When people can have their foot in the game, skin in the game, it makes it a lot more shareable as a podcast. They're going to say, oh, I recommended this Dr. Jones. For agronomy, there's no doctors in agronomy, but like if they recommended that, that would go a lot further and fly a lot further than it would just me picking it up. So the community sort of has an impact on how the podcast runs as well. That's awesome. You're actually giving the people what they want. Yeah, and most of the time it's a person I want to actually speak to to drill down further into that previous subject from the person that recommended it. That's like really important to be able to drill down and see 
dive a bit deeper into each subject. Diving a bit deeper into each subject, I mean, how do you prepare for each of these interviews? Do you kind of have a, a, a technique that's evolved over the time or are you sort of, you know, just running a similar kind of play than, as when you started? Yeah, so for the speakers, I give them an overview and that has around six, eight questions max, three or four sort of my blueprint and then four or five are tailored towards them. So what they've been up to, what's significant about the role they play in agriculture and like a piece of farms advice they would give and how their journey has created what they're doing currently within agriculture. One thing I which is hard to do is go down the line of talking about their ag tech startup, how that's happened, the processes of it, but also the other side of it, how's it impacting farmers in Australia. It's amazing seeing some of the tech stuff that's coming out. I mean, I'm from a digital tech background and, and all of the stuff that's really evolving the way that farming's done, it's uh, it's amazing. And even just the sort of different areas of farming, I was listening to one which is about, your one about entrepreneurship and the person who has the mushroom farm. I mean, just yep. kind of unpacking all of the ways that that's going to, their aspirations of becoming a $100 million business and kind of just kind of working back from there and the supply chain and everything that they kind of build the mushrooms into, it's astonishing. Yes, 100%. And you wouldn't even know that if, give myself a rap, but like if she didn't come on the podcast, people wouldn't know that like this mushroom farm could be $100 million. Where totally. do you buy your mushrooms from? And the production side of things, are you doing it all? Editing, producing, uploading, the whole lot? Yeah, the whole shebang. Um, now, even with a YouTube channel, we're trying to get out into that area as well. It's Like I said, it's not polished. I would like to get a bit more polished, but it's all working and learning on the job, on the episode as I go. I think every episode has improved a little bit at each time, but maybe I have to speak to you guys to see how you actually do run a podcast. Yeah, let's have a chat about that after. Absolutely. So in terms of learning it, I mean, you, you say you've picked it up all yourself. What did you use to kind of work out how to do this and put it out there? Uh, so... My background is in marketing, um, so distributing it is probably the easiest part for me, but the physicality of getting the microphone, getting in front of it, or even doing the intros and outros, each one's different. You know, a lot of podcasts do have a rolling one they stick to with their sponsor yeah. or whatnot on the beginning of it, but each of mine, I like to introduce them a bit more personally, and then everyone thinks that's just one take if they listen to the episode, but it's definitely not just one take takes me a bit more to be a bit more fluid in my conversation and keep it running totally just to make it sound better yeah we've had to do a couple of re-records to really get that spontaneity going (laughs) yeah 100 and actually someone picked up on this before like my guess i don't actually like to ask them too many questions before the show or i don't like pre-calls because i want everything to be revealed to me on the show as well so if i'm quiet on the show it's only because i'm learning off that speaker and I got caught out a couple of times. The algae farm, I was pretty starstruck by what he was doing, how much protein he can make on one hectare versus cattle or uh, wheat. But it's cool. Like, you get introduced to it face-to-face, and it's farming, so it is raw, but it's really good. There was another one I was quite stunned where the, um, she was talking about the, it was the wool industry and, and you know, running some research tests, data, data analysis, to see you know, what was the difference if they saw the sheep twice a year or once a year yeah six months or yeah and just kind of also the, the sort of dynamic of trying to introduce those learnings and those ways of working into the older generation i mean is that something that a lot of people that you speak to have a bit of difficulty with because you know a lot of people have been working and set in their own ways for such a long time but now we're on this kind of like precipice of technology really you know being incorporated into every aspect of this thing and 
you can make some real leaps, but you've got to have a bit of faith to go with that. Yeah, 100%. And it's, that's what it's all about. It's about learning on the job. It's kicking yourself out the backside if you're 28 or 65 thinking, oh, shit, maybe I should be a bit nicer to my younger employee on farm or I should start to make that succession plan for my kids later. Hint, hint, Dad, if you listen to this. Um, (laughs) But but as I say that, like the podcast, I am trying to implement succession planning um, from the industry leaders. So I'm not just spitting random stuff out there. It's things that like you can actually take away and use. I'm starting to use things that are picked up. I've signed up to different technology, ag tech, for our family farm. So it is like getting the word out there and if we can speed up the adoption process, we'll be a lot better off in 10 years than we would have been in five years shot. So if we can get 10 people on within two years of improving their efficiencies and productivity rather than in 10 years we have four people, that goes to show that the ag tech improves them their development a lot quicker and it makes it a lot easier. Could you tell us a little bit about how about your audience and how the podcast's been received by the audience? Yeah, definitely. So I think on the broad scape of it, so Australian agriculture is predominantly made of livestock and cropping. So your grains, cropping, wheat, barley, oats, chickpeas, and then you got your beef, cattle, sheep, and then piggeries, dairies. But like around the beef, cattle, and grain cropping is probably my predominant audience in there and that's also the backing of where the funding's going for ag tech of how we can improve them because they're the larger scale sort of farms but then again i'm trying to hop into horticulture with the mushroom farm as you said before as it's so diverse i think my audience quite diverse so they're farm owners managers and also farm employees but also those consultants that service farmers out there that's probably the broad scape of listeners that i have actually did this before because I'm going through some sponsorship um, looking to onboard a few so it was interesting to see in December I had 700 something listeners in the month so for December I had 700 and now I'm nearing 3200 each month listeners and that's really that's really good for agriculture it's not just yeah man like this isn't mamma mia spreading some gossip Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> is there a lot of, I mean, it seems like it is quite a supportive community across the board. I think a, a lot of people can, they're conscious of the, of the struggles that you can sometimes go through. And I think when you speak to people, the, the first thing you guys talk about is, is the amount of rain that's been happening recently and that kind of thing. Does that support carry through to the podcast and you find, you know, this community is really kind of getting behind you and helping you along? Definitely. I think the share, like the sharing of the episodes is increasing. I'm getting a bit of authority now. Um, for a young bloke in agriculture. I think even to be a guy and doing all the marketing and everything isn't the norm, or it's like isn't the norm to have a farmer operating a podcast. Being in a regional area, there's a lot of podcasts that are agricultural-based, but they're either in the city, they're selling something, or they're a little bit disconnected, or they're telling some stories of what's going on and not... I'm trying to grow some agribusinesses over here so we can help reform help get some better food on your table up there in Redfern as well. Yeah, look, you seem to have a unique position in it. You're not selling something. You're just dropping knowledge and giving people the tools to learn more about the industry. I love one of the Instagram posts you did, which is Bitcoin value versus farm advice listeners and a graph of them going next to each other. So your meme game's strong, man. (laughs) Yeah, I try to be a bit different to what everyone's doing and try to create some 
hype for it. It's a bit all new for agriculture, I think. As the time goes on, hopefully we'll beat out the Bitcoin drive up and Farms Advice podcast will be right up there. Beautiful. <laughs> Compound growth, mate. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You've had a bit of time while you're overseas, but just being on the farm as well, and you talked about listening to podcasts and everything. Do you want to tell us a few that you're into that sort of inspired you to get a, get a start with this? I went overseas to like look outside my own square and get a bit of a different view on what's going on. So I do the same with my podcast. I Marketing School by Neil Patel is pretty big for marketers. He runs little five-minute ones, which is ideal for in the morning as a farmer. You can listen to them every day instead of back them up and just binge on podcasts. So it's quite easy for that one. Farm Owners Academy got me started, agricultural base in, in Australia. They do really well. They're long form. They're selling courses and everything. So like, it's really good to get an understanding of how they did it before I did. And then we move into like Generation Ag and Humans of Agriculture and other ones telling stories about people connecting the dots between who's working agriculture and how we can share the voice of Australian agriculture. And if you put that alongside what Farms for Us, what I'm trying to do, grow agribusinesses and focus on the internals and then they can cover the externals or the stories within it, I think it's going to be a really powerful industry. Watch out in five years' time or something for podcasts or where else it may evolve to. And then finally, any advice you want to give to other people like yourselves who want to start a podcast or out in the land? It's cliche, but I love a good cliche. Just go for it. Dig in. Life's a garden. Dig it. Or life's a farm. Plough it. <laughs> Just get started. You don't need a budget. I started out with £100, which is nearly $200, and I spent £50 of it. So $100 I spent, and I'm running a podcast I've now spent a bit more on equipment, but now I've got money. I'm back in Australia, in God's country. Just get started. Don't worry about what everyone else says and don't polish it until it's perfect. Let it run. Great advice. Mate, we love it. Farm advice. We'll put all the details in the show notes. But get around it, guys. Like and subscribe and follow on socials. That's it. Like, comment and subscribe. The number one saying. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming on today, Jack. Thank you very much, guys. All right, mate. Thanks very much.
So look, it's a great listen, really good, outside the box. You know, just showing you what some people are doing out there with podcasts. Yeah, that's it. Why don't we get stuck in? Jack, tell us about the Farm Advice podcast. 